0: Listening to Claim Closure, the premier audio resource for workers' compensation claims in North Carolina. Welcome back everyone to a, another episode of Claim Closure. I'm your host, Brian Grozier, partner at Midkiff Muncy and Ross out of Raleigh, North Carolina. And today we're back to talking about a rising out of. So we've you know gave an overview of it. We talked about assaults, both from co-workers and third parties. We've talked about horseplay, and today we're going to talk about social activities. So, you know, play this podcast around uh, October, November, December when you have all those holiday parties and you have an incident there, or maybe in the summertime when you have a company picnic or some sort of an outing and an injury happens there because that's what we're covering today. And, you know, social activities, kind of like horseplay, um, It really depends on those facts and kind of what's going on and a lot of people have this knee-jerk reaction that with horseplay it's an automatic denial and i'm not saying that you don't deny those cases from the outset but as i said in the uh pod the last podcast uh they're often found to be compensable and i think there's a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to social activities too that that's you know an automatic denial that they're not going to be compensable and again that's not necessarily the case now I wouldn't say that they tend to be compensable. They do have to follow a certain set of uh, check marks in order to be compensable, and we'll go over that today. But it's not uncommon, we'll put it that way, for those types of cases to ultimately be found to be compensable, and we'll talk about several of those uh, today. All right, so I want to go back, kind of give you, again, I like doing a kind of a basis for all of these things. And, and, and really the baseline for social activities comes from a 1964 Supreme court case called Perry versus American bakeries company. And, uh, in that particular case, the plaintiff had been required by the defendant employer to attend a sales meeting out of town. And he stayed at a Sedgefield inn, uh, a place that, uh, I don't even know if those exist anymore, to be honest with you. But nevertheless, he's at this hotel. And while he's staying there, he decides, you know, I'm going to partake in the pool and not just partake in the pool, but dive into the pool and injures himself in the process of diving into the pool. And so the question for the court there uh, in 1964 was, Was the use of the pool an authorized activity calculated to further, directly or indirectly, the employer's business? That's how the Supreme Court framed it. And this is where they came down on this decision. They said, where as a matter of goodwill, an employer at his own expense provides an occasion for recreation or an outing for his employees and invites them to participate but does not require them to do so, and an employee is injured while engaging in the activities incident thereto, such incident does not arise out of the employment. Now, you might as well bold, underline, italicize, highlight, whatever you want to do with the word require, because that's really where that case hinged and where a lot of the cases thereafter uh, hinge as well. And we'll talk about some guideposts that developed over time, but it's really that voluntariness versus involuntariness of the activity that really ultimately dictates how those cases are likely to go. And we'll talk about a number of them, but it's that's typically how the case is going to be determined, right, is a overarching theme of whether or not it was voluntary or required in terms of the activity and the attendance there thereof. So there was a case that was earlier than that. It, it was a 1943 Supreme Court case, and it involved, uh, it was called Barber versus Minges, and it involved an injury at a picnic. And this guy worked for a soda bottle, uh, bottling company, and they had this annual company trip uh, down in, I think it was in South Carolina, and there was this fishing trip and everything. and. There had been some open vapors with the uh, gasoline, and he's on the boat, and the boat was not operating correctly, or the, whatever it was, and he ends up getting burned and dying from the gasoline that was being used on the boat. And the court, again, kind of walked through this whole requirement idea and found that this was a voluntary thing that people just came down to socialize at, it wasn't anything that was necessarily required and ultimately found that it wasn't compensable, right? Even though it was a company gathering in terms of bringing your family down and everything else, um, the requiredness aspect of it really wasn't there at this point. And we didn't have the guideposts that we do now, so it really just kind of hinged on you know, whether or not this was a required thing or not, and it wasn't. These guideposts that I referenced came about later, and that's in 1980. There's a Court of Appeals case called Chilton versus the, um, what was it, Chilton versus the Bowman Gray School of Medicine. And that's, uh, I was was recalling it was a School of Medicine, but I didn't know where it was. Bowman Gray, Chilton versus Bowman Gray School of Medicine. This was also a picnic, all right? Uh, And this was a picnic, I think it was the radiology department at the uh, school, and uh, they had this annual picnic, and it was so that faculty could get acquainted with each other. It was a large department, I think over 100 people, and uh, they didn't necessarily get to know each other all that well during work. And so, you know, different shifts, different hours, et cetera, et cetera. This was an opportunity to bring everybody together, uh, which is what they did. And the radiology department paid for the picnic and gave free passes to this park that they were attending to, uh, to go to the picnic, uh, there was no direct pressure by uh, supervisors or the bosses or whatever to actually attend the picnic, but 75 to 80 percent of the personnel actually attended And uh, at the particular picnic that was the subject of this case. Uh, the claimant ends up uh, playing volleyball and uh, breaks his ankle while he's playing volleyball at this picnic. And what do you do? You know, what do you do with this case? And and what Chilton ended up doing was it created these guideposts, and you're going to see these um, come up again in employee versus independent contractor analysis, where there's certain guideposts that are used by the courts to determine uh, if an employee is or if a claimant is an employee or is an independent contractor. And the same thing applies here as to whether or not a person is. Uh, in this social activity, is it a required activity or is it not a required activity? And none of them are more important than the other, and and again, they're guideposts. So they don't, you know, the more that you have, one way or the other, it's more likely to go that particular way. So if more of them are answered in the affirmative, and the affirmative being that it's uh, tending towards required as opposed to voluntary. And the court's likely going to go with the idea that this was a required event, right, and not a voluntary one. And so this is what Chilton did. We're going to walk through the um, factors and, and, and go from there. So I'm going to let you know ahead of time, we're going to talk about six guideposts, none of the six applied to the employer in the chilton case and therefore the court of appeals denied the compensability of this broken ankle while playing volleyball but they outlined these six factors and these are the ones that you will apply in your cases today so if you have a social activity situation these are the six guideposts that you're going to have to look at and ask questions of both the employee and the employer and whether the employer is uh includes the co-workers or just the supervisors or both, you need to find out these answers from people, right? To have a good forecast, and idea of what the court is going to be looking at if it were to go into litigation. So let's talk about those six factors. Number one, did the employer sponsor the event? Now, in Chilton, it's said that they paid for the picnic and that there were free passes to go to the park, but they said that there wasn't anything on the letterhead that uh, in terms of an invite or anything like that saying that it was sponsored by the company or sponsored by the radiology department or anything like that and so the answer in that particular case was no but did the did the employer sponsor the event that this social activity occurred in number 2 to what extent was attendance voluntary okay and so sometimes and i think this happened in this particular case as well there'd be you know, people will take uh, note of who's there and who's not there. Um, but is the attendance used for something or is it just meant for record keeping in terms of, oh, Joe Smith attended and we'll send him a thank you, you know, for coming out to uh, to the party or, you know, for some other uh, reason that's rather benign, but not to, you know, say, oh, well, Joe was there, but Susie wasn't. Therefore, we're going to value Joe over Susie for something. You know, that's that's more of implications of a non-voluntary attendance, right? We're going to really track uh, if you come to this or not. Um, so to what extent was attendance voluntary? And three, was there some degree of encouragement to attend? It kind of blends in with number two there in, in, in the sub-factors that are used in this particular one uh, are was attendance taken? Uh, were you paid to attend and not paid if you didn't attend? Were you required to work if you didn't attend? And so you had the choice of either you're going to go to this picnic or you're going to have to work, right? Or three, was there like, or four, was there some maintenance of a custom of? of attending, right? Have you just gone, is the person gone every year and everything else? And again, none of these are determinative over the other, but the idea that let's say the attendance was taken, uh, the claimant was paid to be there. uh, If he didn't go, he'd be required to work and he'd been going for the past four or five years. then the answer is probably going to be yes, that this was a pretty high degree of encouragement to attend, right? It wasn't just a tacit. Uh, encouragement. Number four, did the employer finance the occasion to a substantial extent? Now, again, I don't really know why in Shilton, because it did say that they paid for the picnic and uh, that free passes were given, although they end up saying that, you know, none of those factors apply. And all these factors come from Larson's. And if you're not familiar with Larson's, Larson's has this, you know, large book on workers' comp law. And you can adopt what Larson says as a state, or you could modify what Larson says, or you can completely ignore it, right? But Larson's is interwoven into so much uh, case law and statutes in states, not just in North Carolina, but across the country. Um, you'll hear of Larson's from time to time. And this is what these guideposts come from Larson's in terms of whether you adopt these guideposts are not. It's up to the individual states in terms of their courts or their um, legislatures, whatever they're using for it. And so here in this particular matter, we adopted in North Carolina what Larson's was talking about. So did the employer finance the occasion to a substantial extent? Again, that's fairly subjective in terms of you know, what exactly is financing the occasion? And then second, what is a substantial extent of the financing, right? Maybe they paid for some things, but not all things. Is that substantial enough? These are just questions you're going to have to ask of the employer, the claimant, the co-workers, etc., etc. Number five, did the employees regard it as an employment benefit to which there, it was a right, right? Not just a benefit of getting to know your co-workers or having a good time having some beers or you know whatever it may be that you know a goodwill benefit but something that is a a a right uh in in that regard and it's it's hard to imagine maybe a scenario where this would actually be true um because most social activities are just what i described them to be fun uh you know in terms of you know we're gonna go have a good time have some beer maybe bring some family members out go fishing play some volleyball whatever it may be I don't know if many people would say that they view that as a right you know but maybe it is to some level um, yeah there are and we'll talk about a case here in a minute where the guy was at a convention and um, you know maybe he's getting CLE credits or I say CLE that's what lawyers get but you know continuing education credits or some sort of you um, thing for that or maybe it's an award ceremony and we'll talk about that in a minute too and it's kind of a vested right of the employees to go to those awards ceremonies after putting in the time during the course of the year uh, so I could see that I guess under those circumstances but that's the fifth factor and so did employees regard it as an employment benefit to which it was right now again notice how that's framed did the employee Regard it as an employment benefit, not did the employer. So it's looking at it from the employee's perspective. So you're not just probably going to have to ask the claimant that question, but you're going to have to ask the co-workers as well. And then finally, did the employer benefit from the event? Not merely in a vague way through morale or goodwill, but in some other fashion. And And it uses the examples of were speeches given, were awards given out, Those types of things, if there's that benefit, then it's more likely going to be viewed as a required event and not merely a voluntary one. So, those are the six. Did the employer sponsor the event? Number two, to what extent was attendance voluntary? Number three, was there some degree of encouragement to attend? Number four, did the employer finance the occasion to a substantial extent? Number five, did employees regard it as an employment benefit to which was a it was a right to them? And number six, did the employer benefit from the event not merely in a vague way through morale and goodwill, but through some other form in terms of making speeches, handing out awards, doing something along those lines, all right? The more that you answer yes to those questions, then the more likely it is going to be viewed as a required event, and if it is a required event and then injury occurred, it is going to arise out of the employment and therefore be compensable so long as the other factors apply in terms of course and scope and injury by accident as well. So that's the that's the guideposts that are utilized. And I'll talk about three cases now that kind of use those guideposts and the way that they were viewed, uh, by the courts and whether they uh, viewed it as a compensable case or a non-compensable case. So the first one is a 1982 case, again, out of the court of appeals. So this is two years after Chilton was decided, probably one of the first times they get to really utilize these guideposts and uh, put them into action. It's Martin versus Mars Manufacturing Company, and the employee injures the ankle while dancing uh, at a Christmas party. And I had this happen in a case before where the claimant uh it was she wasn't injured at the uh, christmas party but uh she alleged that her ankle was hurting and i ended up getting uh uh, onto her facebook page and uh seeing her post videos of herself at the nightclub uh, with heels on uh dancing and uh having a really good time and uh we got to the court we got to the hearing And I was able to ask her if she was too hurt to work, but not to twerk. (laughs) And that's, uh, this case kind of reminds me of that, right? You've got somebody who's dancing, I picture it like Elaine Bennis on Seinfeld, you know, kicking the legs up in the air and during the Christmas party, and then uh, all of a sudden injures the ankle. So... The court looked at it and, and noted the factors and noted that it, the, the employer had sponsored the event, that the employees were substantially encouraged to attend. The employers uh, or the employees were paid to attend. There was a custom of attendance, at least with the claimant. I think the claimant had attended for four or five years and speeches and awards were given out. So you had one, two, three, four, five of those six factors Uh, were yes. And so therefore, the court ended up finding this particular injury to be compensable. So you had one case where the person injured the ankle playing volleyball at a company picnic, not compensable. You had another case where the person injures his ankle while dancing at a Christmas party, it is compensable. So that's why you have to walk through these six factors in order to find out the likelihood of compensability. Next case is a uh, 2007 case out of uh, the Supreme Court. This is Frost versus Salter Path Fire and Rescue. And the employee in this particular case was injured uh, while driving a go-kart during what was classified as a quote-unquote fun day. Not so fun for the employee, ultimately, but that's what it was labeled as. And this was a total voluntary thing. Uh, the employer did not fund it. There was no, in fact, I think uh, local. It was local fundraising that, that funded it. Um, if you've ever gone out to the aquarium uh, out by uh, Atlantic Beach in that area, the, this is where it, this is where that occurred. Right. So your Frost versus Salter uh, Path Fire and Rescue. Uh, that's right next door or just down the street from where the aquarium is. And they may have been at Professor Hackers over there uh, doing go-karts at the time. Get injured during that. She hits another go-kart in the process, believing her in, injured her back. But again, the court looks at it and says there's the, the employer did not fund this. There was no attendance. There was no awards. It was generally viewed as voluntary in terms of attendance. So you've got four of these six factors that were no and therefore the court decided that this wasn't compensable. So, you know, here's the person driving go-karts, injures their back, not compensable. Where the, other t- where the other one that I just talked about, where you're dancing at a Christmas party and you injure your ankle, is compensable, right? It's these factors that have to play a role in determining the compensability of it. And then finally, there was a laser tag case out of 2015, um, Holiday versus Tropical Nut and Fruit Company, Court of Appeals case. And this, I I think the company was based out of Asheville and the convention, there was a national sales and marketing conference in Charlotte. So these guys are based out of Asheville. They're staying in Charlotte. It's a three-day conference. Uh, Attendance was mandatory. Awards were given out. They were encouraged. It was an opportunity for these guys to meet vendors within their business and, you know, connect with them and market with them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and i don't remember if it was the first night or the second night but one of the two nights the employer had organized a bowling or laser tag event and i think you got the choice of whether you were going to go bowling or laser tag and the employer paid for this event and they assigned the employees to various teams and of course the employee was injured while playing laser tag and i think ultimately you had to have a total knee replacement so this wasn't just the you know a knee sprain type thing this was a pretty big deal right you've got a total knee replacement be an automatic 40% rating right to the leg, all from playing laser tag at a conference and not necessarily while they were performing their job, right, or at least in, in your mind, performing their job, right? Well, the courts looked at it again, and again, showed that the employer paid for the event, and they assigned the employees to the various teams, the, the employees were paid their normal salary while attending the conference, the employer paid for the entire trip. They played for the lodging. They paid for the food. They paid for all of that stuff. There was an expectation on the employer's end that their employees attend and attendance was taken, right? So you're looking at at least four of those factors, if not five, that were yes in terms of um, whether or not it was required or not. And so once again, you had you know, four to five of the factors tipping in favor of required, therefore the court deemed it to be required and therefore compensable, and the employer was on the hook for it. So again, these cases come down to those six factors. Get those six factors down on your notes so that you've got them, so whenever you do have a social activity this is going to give you a great idea as to where your case is going, no matter what happened. You know, If the injury happened, uh, jumping into the pool while dancing, while walking down the hall to go to the dance floor, uh, you know, driving a go-kart, you, know, you name it. However the injury occurred, it's the idea of whether or not this was a required thing or not based off of these six factors. And I'll repeat them one more time. Number one, did the employer sponsor the event? Number two, to what extent was attendance voluntary? Number three, was there some degree of encouragement to attend? Was attendance taken? Were they paid to attend? Was there required, uh, meant to work if they didn't attend? And was it some sort of custom that they maintained by, by attending every year? Number four, did the employer finance the occasion to a substantial extent? Number five, did the employees regard it as an employment benefit to which it was deemed as a right or viewed as a right? Number six, did the employer benefit from the event not merely in a vague way through morale and goodwill, but through making some sort of speeches or awards or some sort of other tangible way that they would benefit from it? If more of those are viewed as yes than no, then you're more likely to have a compensable injury arising out of the employment and likely compensable. Okay, so those are social activities. We're going to talk next episode about uh, something that comes up often, and you're talking about pre-existing conditions and idiopathic conditions, right? So I think we might break that down into two. I think we'll do the idiopathic condition first, and then we'll have a separate episode where we talk strictly about pre-existing conditions. So we'll do one episode on idiopathic conditions, another episode on pre-existing conditions, because I know that those come up quite often in your cases, and they'll be something that'll be very interesting to talk about. But That'll be next time. Until then, this has been Claim Closure.